uh, the Lord probably close to 20 years ago began to put the importance of that picture of the Old Testament tabernacle in my heart. And a lot of us can approach this as, oh, well, that's just a real neat Jewish thing. Isn't that kind of neat? And it is. But if you weren't here, if you didn't get to listen to it, go back. That picture of the Old Testament tabernacle needs to be burned into our heart and mind because as we begin to enter into New Testament realities, all of those things were pictures for our sake of what's really in heaven and what we're really doing in the atmosphere of worship. So I encourage you, if you, if you didn't listen to it, listen to it again. And if you only listen to it once, go back and listen to that message at least twice uh, because that is incredibly important. I told Brian, it's just so wonderful. What we're talking about today is going to be an excellent springboard uh, from what we learned about last week. So let's do this. Uh, I want to, because Brian prayed for me, but I want to take a minute and pray for all of us. Um, you know what? I, I started experiencing something over the last year or so. Every once in a while, I get into worship and be like, I am just so tired. You know what? I need to have a spa day at church. And you know what? Engaging in worship, I bet you I just need to rest in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's good. How many of you have ever done soaking prayer before? I mean, it's, it's just like when you say, Jesus, come and do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to be still and put on some music. And that's, that's good. And every once in a while in corporate worship, we can do that. But what I found myself more and more doing is, is listening to this little voice, you are just too tired. This is a great time for you just to check out and zone out. But th- these were the times where I was in, I mean, not to get too old-fashioned, I was in the house of the Lord. I had an opportunity to join in with my brothers and sisters and begin to worship. And I began to realize this little voice I'm hearing is not the self-help and wellness. I think this is the enemy trying to shut me up and sit me down, you know? And so that's not to say some of us are very tired. Some of us can come in here and find respite from time to time. But if, if we've been going on two or three months and this has become a habit, then probably something's a little out of order, okay? We're told in the scriptures that a spirit of heaviness is replaced by a garment of praise, right? So if I want everybody, if you don't mind, just close your eyes. I promise I'm not going to steal from you or do anything to you. I'll stay up here. Just close your eyes. And if, if you feel like maybe somewhere along the lines you might have picked up a spirit of heaviness, what I want you to do, and this feels a little like pantomime, but do it. Just go back there on the back of your neck, grab that thing, and offer it up to the Lord. Lord, we give you, and just say yes, your yes to the Lord. Lord, we give you any spirit of heaviness that's been on us, anything that would try to shut us down during worship, even anything that would try to make us fall asleep as we enter in, Lord, and hear your word, Lord. We give that to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I take the sword of the Spirit in the name of Jesus and cut each one of us free from a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of depression or despair, and I speak the light and life of Jesus into each one of us right now. Lord, would you clothe us with a garment of praise? Even as I'm speaking, Lord, would you give us antsy feet that just want to get up and move for you, Lord Jesus? Lord, we cut and break anything in the name of Jesus that would keep us bound up, that would keep us in our boxes, Lord. Break us free from any ungodly box in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Okay, and help us hear what uh, you want us to hear, Lord. My friend, I have a friend named Edie, and I work at a place called Christian Healing Ministries, and at CHM we pray for people. And probably around 1987, Edie came and started receiving prayer, and she was there so much, getting so much prayer, they just started using her to pray for people. (laughs) And she's never left. She actually comes to serve and to pray for other people as a volunteer. She comes all the way from Georgia 
just about every few weeks to do that. And she walked into the office I was sitting in, and she handed me this. And I know you can't see it, but it's a little pen. And on the pen is a shovel, a pickaxe, and some gold nuggets. And she said, I think the Lord wants you to throw away the rocks and keep all the gold. I told you, she's from Georgia. And, and so what I want you to do today is if anything's not the Lord, anything just doesn't feel like it sits right, you can throw it away. But be listening as I share today for something, some of that gold the Lord may be offering to you. Does that sound good? So you guys are going to be actively listening and saying, all right, Lord, what are, just, just right now where you are, ask the Lord, say, Lord, Lord, would you, would you speak to me? Use Gary somehow. <laughs> Use Gary to speak to me in some way. Or just speak to me without Gary. Either way. You guys really asking him that? Okay, good. All right. Um, I want to start with a dream. My freshman year of college, I'd never really had a God dream, or at least one that I really knew about. And uh, the Lord was doing a lot of activity around me. And I, and I hate to admit it, at that point, I wasn't as familiar with my Bible as I was right now. And I'm just going to share the gist of the dream with you. Um, and I'm, Kalani, Kalani is the dreamer in our family. She'll wake up and say, yeah, I had three dreams last night. She'll say, do you dream anything? I was like, uh, I think, I don't know, I don't remember. But so when I have a dream like this, I remember it. Um, the dream was is that I was in my family's home. This is a home that we lived in way back, even when I was back in junior high. And it, it had a deck on the back. And uh, I, I was in that house, and there were some things, some animals out on the back deck that turned into people. This is very weird. But, and they walked into the house. And immediately I knew that something was desperately wrong with these people. And they began to talk to my family, my parents, my sister, and they were so persuasive. And they were so, had so much savvy and just told them everything they wanted to hear. And I knew that these people were bad. And on the inside of me, just started getting, getting more and more excited. And finally, I said, why are you listening to these people? They're not good people. And this is a dream. So, you know, and, uh, and, and, and my parents just looked at me all confused and these creatures, these people looked at me and said, you have no proof. And just for no reason at all, I said, well, then let's have a worship service. And I'm thinking to myself, why are we going to have a worship service? And they said, and they were fine with it. They said, absolutely fine. And they sat down. And I remember in that dream praying, and I just, I, I was doing that kind of trick. Have you guys ever done the thing? Lord, speak to me, you know, and then the death angel, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I remember in my dream, I just opened up my Bible, and I remembered the chapter, and I remember the book of the Bible that I was in. And I prayed a prayer in my heart, and usually most of my dreams are confusing, and, and there's not a lot of victory, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot, of, usually me running from something, I mean, not that anyone else here has those kind of dreams, or I've, I've got three classes, I'm back in school, and I've got homework due, anybody? I don't know, but... This dream was very different. I opened up my Bible, and I began to read this scripture verse, and I felt in my dream, this had never happened before, the power of the Holy Spirit on me. And I felt with every word that I spoke, there was, I could sense the presence of the Lord going out of me. And those confident, smarty people all of a sudden returned to their form and bolted, ran screaming out of the house. I remember ministering, Having, inviting people in to minister to my family, and all of a sudden, I woke straight up out of bed. And I was like, what in the world? I wish, I wish that that scripture was real. But here's the problem. <laughs> the number was insanely high. I was like, there's no, there's no books in the Bible that have 150 chapters in it. 
And I think it was Psalms. So this is the scripture that I read. I went back and, and this was what I read in my dream. I didn't even know there were 150 Psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. That really is a verse in the Bible. (laughs) And I was so taken aback, I was freaked out because I'd never had this kind of dream before. But in that moment, I realized that was the beginning of a journey for me that our worship and our praise is more than us just getting a little blessing or singing a little song to the Lord. It is active and powerful. And the Lord not only will use it as we are worshiping to change us, but he will use it to change the atmosphere around us. In darkness, deception, and anything unlike Jesus will flee when we're in that place of power. Amen? So I started on this journey of of learning to to worship, but you know, one of the things I struggled with the most was a sense of self-consciousness. My my worship experience was kind of like this. Jesus, somebody's looking at me. Jesus, I don't want to. And I kept vacillating back and forth. Well, I don't want everyone around me to think I'm weird. Or I don't want everyone around me to think that I'm super spiritual. And I, I, would, it would, <laughs> I had this kind of very strange back and forth because there was something battling in me, something that deeply wanted to just give my all in musical worship because I knew there was something special. I knew there was life and power on it. But I also was dealing with all this brokenness in me that was so concerned about what other people were thinking and and my religious tradition was bashing up against so much stuff. And um, I'll just kind of, I'll cut to the chase. I battled with that on and off. And I went to a conference uh, probably around, you know, uh, a few years after this dream. And it was a packed conference. I was up in the balcony And they were doing this incredible worship. And in the middle of worship, I heard the Lord just say, Gary, will you open up your heart to me? And I was like, "Um, well, I think my heart's pretty open. And I heard, open up your heart to me. And I was like, I don't, Lord, I don't. How do you do do that? So I just kind of went like this. And I saw a picture in my mind's eye of garbage coming out of my heart, like tin cans and all this sort of stuff. And after that moment... While I still struggled a little bit here and there, I had the revelation that whatever I was doing in worship was far more important than what other people around me were thinking. Now, that's not something I just finally figured that out. God had to do some surgery on me to get me to that place where I could receive it. Are you guys, I I think there's a a guy named Dan Duke, and I heard him recently say, you know, uh, God... God really can't do through you what he hasn't done to you. And so I know God's done this through me and through many of you maybe in this room, but, but today I want, to be, I want to pray to ask the Lord to release us to a place to where we can be expressive in worship. We're going to be talking uh, today about how worship is expressive, but I want to make this very clear. Uh, whether or not what we're doing with our bodies doesn't necessarily, that doesn't give value to our worship. So if we see someone who's really engaged, who's jumping up and down over in the corner, and someone who's sitting, which one is is better at worship? We don't know. 
<laughs> That's something only the Lord really knows. So we're not talking about value here, but instead what we're going to be talking about today is an ability for us to enter in fully to a worship experience, fully for us to engage with God. And you know what starts happening when we begin to find some freedom, where we begin to enter in fully with not just our words, our thoughts, our heart, but with our whole beings, worship actually becomes a whole lot more fun. Who knew? (laughs) What's interesting is that the very first message I preached at this church, we have a picture of of that season, you may not be able to see it, uh, was back around 2005, and I preached on worship, the woman at the well. And, uh, and you can kind of see in there, the guy at the piano is Brian, and Pastor Jeff's back, and Pastor Aaron is there, for those of you, the six of you who might remember all those people. <laughs> but I remember that very first sermon, this is a scripture I focused on. It was John 4, 23 through 24. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking, he is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is spirit, so that those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And in my own walk and in many of our walks, we've been seeking, Lord, what does it mean to worship you in spirit and in truth? And there's a whole lot to that. Today, we're going to be talking just about a little bit of that. And we're going to talk about intentional wholeheartedness and allowing our whole beings to be engaged in worship. Um, So why... Why should or why should worship be expressive? Let's just explore a little bit of that. Uh, We are created with physical bodies. And some parts of the church put a real high emphasis on the inward spiritual experience. The inward spiritual experience is very, very good. But sometimes we put it so much on that inward spiritual experience that anything external seems superfluous. I got that word right. Uh, it, it, It seems extra. It seems not all that important. You know, our bodies, they're just, they're a temporary holder for us who are spiritual beings and eternal. And that's right. But our bodies really are a gift from God. Others of us put such a focus on our mind that worship is all about learning something or, you know, or or somehow getting some sort of greater understanding of who God is. It is. It can do that. It's, It's great when we learn something in worship, when we're singing out truth and that truth becomes part of us. But that's not the totality of worship. Worship is about us giving something fully of who we are to God. And that includes our physical bodies. Uh, We as humans are expressive. We actually do like to talk about uh, the things that we like. How many of you have had a conversation with someone else this week talking about how great this weather is? Anybody? You know, we like sharing the things and we get kind of animated with it. Some of you... (laughs) Some, this is kind of, this is a bit of a cheap shot, but like uh, some of us might, you know, have more animation about our praise for like a store we shop at like Trader Joe's than we do in worship, you know? I just love Trader Joe's, you know? Uh, but, and, and so some of you are just saying, Gary, back off. You're getting kind of touchy here. But it's true. We love to share about those things that we're expressive about. And you know, kids really do this really well. If you watch kids in worship a lot of times, there's, there's nothing that, that's inhibiting them. And somewhere along the lines, we begin to learn to turn that off. You know, as we grow, our expression should mature, but it should not be smothered. Amen? 
Amen? I mean, we can, yeah, we, there's lots of places to where we know, we know, we know we're created for expression. Now, that doesn't mean that my expression is going to look just like Kalani's expression or Brian's expression or Joe or Dan or anybody's expression. That's between, that's you, for you to work out with the Lord. What does it look like for me to, to be wholehearted, whole-bodied in worship and to express uh, to him? So we're created with physical bodies. Humans are expressive, expressive um, but also uh, expression reinforces revelatory truth. How many of you have seen uh, some of our, you know, the Orthodox Jews as they're reciting Scripture? They're, they're going back and forth like that. This is, this is a method that they've learned in order to memorize Scripture for things to get stuck in here. There has to be a physical response. How many of you have taught your kids uh, songs with hand motions, you know? When we begin to exercise our bodies, whatever that thing is that we're singing or speaking somehow gets a little bit deeper inside of us. Many of us struggle with what seems to be six miles, even though it's six inches between our head and our heart. What we've learned in our head is not necessarily getting all the way down to our heart. And sometimes for us to be in a place of worship to where we are engaging with the Lord, not just with our words, but with our whole beings, those things that are up here all of a sudden begin to find a way to work into a greater percentage of who we are and what we are. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, So here's another thing. God is expressive. In Zechariah 3, 17, it says, The Lord rejoices over you with singing. And that rejoices word is not just hip, hip, hooray. It is a wild, expressive, spinning around like a top, like I just won the lottery. The Lord does that over you. All the way from that to the, who knows what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Jesus wept, you know. God is an expressive God. Throughout the scripture, there's very little time to where we see God being melancholy or meh. He's always expressing. We're created in his image. And when we encounter this incredible love-filled, truth-filled, grace-filled God, we should somehow begin to mirror the one in whose image we were made. Amen? Okay, and then finally, expression, and this, is, this may seem a little trivial, but it feels good. When we begin to fully give ourselves to the Lord in worship, not only, does, um, not, not only are we giving our whole selves, are we giving something wholeheartedly to the Lord whole, with our whole being, but the Lord will begin to worship through us. I know that's kind of strange, but in the Spirit, you know, Romans 8 says we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays through us. How many of you have ever had that? You don't have to, don't raise your hand. You'll look too too spiritual. But how many of us have ever had that experience where we're praying and it's like someone takes over and just words are coming out of our mouth and we're like, wow, who was that? That's the Holy Spirit. And when we're in a place of praise and we've said, Lord, come, it's strange, but help me worship. Lord, begin to worship through me. All of a sudden, we find ourselves maybe singing something that's not on the page, moving in a way that we've never moved before, just even it feels like we've been taken to another place where he is. And when he begins to do that, it's really, really wonderful. Because all of a sudden, there's a part of us that realizes that we are doing something we were, we were created to do. You know? So, so can you experience that with the Lord without doing jumping jacks on the front row? Yeah. But we want to say, Lord... I, I want to be able to give everything to you with nothing off limits. Amen? 
So Lord, begin, begin to do that. What I'm going to be encouraging you to do is, is stepping out and experimenting. The Lord is okay. Sometimes we, our fear of the Lord is, um, is in a good place where we have a holy awe, but sometimes we get kind of stuck because we're like, well, worship is holy and I don't want to do anything wrong. And if, if I raise my hand in the service or if I do something expressive, they're going to have a committee meeting about me and all this sort of stuff. And really, it's, it, it's not true. I think the Lord delights when we begin to step out, even if we don't do it perfectly. If we're going to fall, let's fall forward. Amen? All right, so let's take a look at some of those things that can have a tendency to kill expression in worship. Uh, the first one is community standards. I, I've walked into churches and been like, so what, is, are they going to be okay if, if I raise my hands or if I dance? Are we going to do it? So let's just, hear, let's just get this out of the way. Brian, Brian, is it, is it okay that, that um, I'm going to ask you a question. Is it okay that people are expressive in worship? Yes. There you go. There you have it. It's from the top. It's okay. It's okay to dance. It's okay to raise your hands. It's okay to, do, to, to be expressive in worship. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question, Brian. You can stay right. Well, no, come up. You need to come up. Is it okay for people to take risks in worship? Think about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. All right. That's the last question I'm going to ask Brian for now. Well, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, but then, then I, here's the deal is that, so it's okay with the pastor, but how about you guys? Is it, just think about it, is it okay if people express their love demonstratively before the Lord? On the count of three, tell me your answer. One, two, three. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Is it okay if my neighbor takes some risks in worship? Yeah. All right, so... I think if we were to take a vote, pretty much everyone in the room is okay with it. Is, are, are you okay if your neighbor looks just a little weird doing it? Yeah. <laughs> that was a little less enthusiastic, but I believe we have a majority. Okay, so community standards. So we just, <laughs> we just dealt with that. Uh, but amen. The next thing is self-consciousness. And this is what I, I have a disappointing piece of news for you. People are just not thinking about you as much as you think they are. <laughs> it's, it's really true. Oh, my gosh. If I do this, oh, oh what's their faces are behind me on the back row. They're going to see me. Oh, my gosh. Um, we, we just, we, we just, you just say no. Some of you in worship, I know, have felt an impulse to raise your hands or to maybe get down on your knees or your face. Some of you, and I want to be clear, I know some of you are free in many, many ways. You're, you're up for it. You're doing it. But some of us are at that place. I had a little struggle right here. During the last song, I just felt that this familiar feeling to where the Lord's like, I want you just get on your knees, Gary. And I was like, oh, but you see, Lord, people are, I'm talking about expression and worship. People are going to think that I'm trying to, like, teach something by doing this. So to go along with this, right before Gary kneeled on the ground, I felt like the Lord was like, you should kneel down on the ground. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to fix this thing first. And then Gary kneeled down. I was like, well, crap, now if I do it, now everybody will think I'm doing it because Gary's doing it. And then I felt like the Lord was like, so what? And I was like, yeah. And so I kind of did this. But I, so it happens to everyone. Yeah. yeah. So, so... <laughs> I plan today to come and bring a correction to your pastor. No. 
no, no, no. I like when, when I, I did that, and, and here, here's the thing is that in worship, you know, I can remember, and even still like today, we have these little struggles with that. And, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been moving and shaking in worship for a long time. And um, let me just, let me, you want a little advice? If you feel it, just do it. Just do it. Even, even if you're in a church and you're not sure what's going on, just do it. I was um, in uh, my, my home church, which is a mainline church, and this is probably back around 1999 or so. Uh, and this church was experimenting with what we called contemporary worship. This was a, a beautiful church. It, most, most of their worship was very traditional. The worship posture was this with a hymnal and people singing to the Lord. It was good. Um, but we were doing these Wednesday night experiments, and they asked me, they only asked me once, uh, but they asked me to come up and help sing up in, with, with the group of folks. And I felt like normally I was like, I don't want to do that, but the Lord was like, I want you to go up there. So I was up there, and it was me who was probably about 20 years old at the time and, and a lot of ladies who were in their 50s, but it's all right, you know. And we're singing, and we start singing, Lord, I lift your name on high. And um, for those of you who don't know, that's, that's an old worship song from back then. And I just felt this thing rising up in me. And I was like, ooh, I think I'm about to raise my hand. I wonder how this is going to be received. And I was like, well, I'm leaving, I'm leaving to go back to college in a few weeks. So I guess it doesn't matter. So I just did this. And all of a sudden, out in the congregation, I saw several people's eyes get really big. And then it was as if they were about to cry, and they raised their hands too. People in that congregation were waiting for someone just to say, it's okay to express your love for the Lord. Some of you may not remember, how many of you know Nancy Akins? Anybody remember Nancy? Oh, yeah. Nancy would just, she was unashamed. She'd be dancing out here. And you know what it did? It, that encouraged, the re- it brought us, the rest of us up to another place. She is a wonderful, crazy worshiper, lover of Jesus, and she just was unabashed. And at first you might walk in and say, what is going on? In many ways, she was leading worship. She was here last week. Awesome. And so, so you know, you, what, I guess what I'm saying is we're so afraid of embarrassing ourselves in front of someone else, you might actually be encouraging someone else to engage deeper in worship as well. So, uh, there's self-consciousness and then, and then judgments. Here's, this is kind of a hard one. Um, sometimes we get blocked up because we've looked at people and said, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. Ugh. And somewhere in us, we have made judgments against other people. Now, hear this. For being too expressive or not expressive enough. I've been in churches and being like, these people are not. Um, Brian actually came with me when I was in seminary. Uh, we had Jason Upton come to Asbury Seminary. Jason is a spirit-filled kind of prophetic guy, and <laughs> Asbury had never had anyone quite like that come to the seminary. The lights were all down low, and Jason is worshiping his heart out, and all these dang seminary students are sitting down throughout the whole thing. And so I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, get them, you know, fill them up, get them standing up. And, and, and I think Jason was actually feeling some of the same stuff. And I was just so frustrated, and the Lord just kept saying, Gary, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I was like, but Lord, they're not responding the way I want them to respond. And at the end of the service time, I was so frustrated, lights came on, and just about every student had tears rolling down their face. I had been in judgment against them for, for not emoting, for not, for not responding like I think they want. 
So some of us have made judgments that way. Others of us have made judgments against the crazy people dancing in the aisles. So we're just going to do this. You guys want to take care of business? If, if, just let's, if we've done that, let's just do it right now. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to repent and renounce for judgments we've made against other people in worship. <laughs> this is going to get very interactive. All right. Okay. So uh, if, if you can think of a time, you don't have to. But we're, if, if you're not sure if you've ever done this, we can just pray a just-in-case prayer. We're not putting guilt or condemnation on anybody. But just, just pray this after me. Lord Jesus... I'm so sorry for making judgments against other people, especially in worship. And, and if and we're just going to take a break. If there's someone who comes to mind that you've judged, I want you just to ask forgiveness for judging them and then just pray a prayer of blessing over them. Just quietly. You don't have to do that out loud. Just quietly to yourself. And then just say this, Lord, I renounce all judgment against other people's worship in Jesus' name, and I pray that you set me free. Amen. All right, so we just cut all that stuff off of everybody in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, The next thing is what I'm calling critical religiosity. Um, uh, Yeah. That, that is Gary trying to not use the term religious spirit. <laughs> and let me, let me explain what this is, is that sometimes either our pride or our religious tradition can create a deep offense in us at other people's forms of worship. And I, I've watched this. There was um, an immaculately dressed lady, and this is probably back around, you know, again, 18, 19 years ago, and we were at a big uh, mainline church in a downtown area. I'm not going to tell you what church it was. It doesn't matter. And uh, she was the quintessential southern lady. I mean, sweet, you know, immaculately dressed, spoke with the perfect southern accent. And just, I mean, you could tell that she, she was sophisticated and lovely in so many ways until she started talking about those people raising their hands. And all of a sudden, her face scrunched up. I can't, I just can't stand and just start going off like this. And I was like, Lord, what is that? And then I began to think about to my early on, as, as early on in my early days, some of my reactions to people who were unabashed worshipers. Now, for me, it was, I don't think they're authentic. I was sitting there judging people thinking, that just feels fake to me. That's inauthentic. And, and what I realized is that this was kind of a spiritual thing in me, maybe even something passed down generationally to where there's, there's this great offense at outward displays of affection for Jesus. Um, I can remember, and even just, I can remember being, anyone remember Night of Joy at Disney World? Anyone go to Night of Joy? A handful of people. Uh, that's where Disney World opened up uh, uh, all of Disney World to Christian youth groups for them to go and act very not Christian. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was not anyway, but I remember we were in the ticket transportation center, and um, and there was this chant: "We love Jesus, yes we do. We love Jesus. How about you?" And it was going back and forth. And I can remember me and some of the other, and I was probably about eighteen at the time, going, "Oh, that is so cheesy." Ugh, ugh. But there was some, an offense that was deeper than it should have been in me. You know what I mean? There was something that. 2 Samuel 6, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem for the first time. He is dancing before the Lord with all his might. Like the king is dancing 
before the Lord. Like kings didn't run. Kings didn't, they weren't out in public. He's got a linen ephod. He's got like pajamas on. And he's out there dancing. And his wife, Saul's daughter, Michael, is up in the window looking down. And she is despising him in his heart, in her heart. And we're told that she was, she did not have, she went and said, how the king has, has distinguished himself in front of all these people. We can have that kind of spiritual um, reaction sometimes to worship, and that can keep us from being free in worship. So, if we've if we got any of that, who wants to get rid of that? No one's raising their hand because like oh, that's not me. Well, let's just pray a just in case prayer. All right, you ready? Just um, repeat after me, Lord. If I have any ungodly religious spirit. If I have critical religiosity, I repent and I renounce for those things. I choose you, your truth, and freedom. Show me how to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So these are um, just some of the roadblocks. I think we've We've, we've dealt with all of them, all right? So Brian and the whole congregation has said that worship and expression is okay. We're not going to take ourselves so seriously. We've said, Lord, any judgments we've had, we've given them to you. And any of that critical religiosity, the Lord's healing our hearts of that, all right? So you guys have no excuse, no. Um, uh, but what I want to do is we're going to move into this next session, section of the message. And um, okay. We're going to take just a break real quick. There's something I just, this is not in my notes. Um, I was talking about <laughs> the Ticket Transportation Center a minute ago, and uh, the Lord shared, put something on my heart a few weeks ago, and, um, I, and I just, I feel like I need to share it with you guys. Uh, I was thinking about um, a time in my life to where the Lord says, I'm going to take you somewhere where the supernatural is happening all the time. And I was living down in Boca Raton, pastoring a very nice church down there, but we really didn't see a lot of supernatural stuff there. I mean, God was moving. God's always doing stuff. But, but that outward, like people getting healed and the things we see in Acts, all those things my heart longed to see. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how that's going to happen. And within, a, within about two years of that time, I was working at Christian Healing Ministries and beginning to see a lot of stuff on a regular basis. People, you know, legs being healed, hearts being healed, people being delivered of all sorts of stuff. And the other week, I felt like the Lord saying, Gary, you think that was the fulfillment of the promise? He said, you're like a kid who's gone to the ticket transportation center and thought you were at the Magic Kingdom. There's a gift shop. There's a fun monorail. He said, this isn't it. And I think, I think the Lord wants me to share that word with you all as well. You might have thought that you were living in the fullness of whatever his promises are for you. He says, this is just the loading dock. This is just the beginning place. And I'm not equating the kingdom of God with the Walt Disney World's magic kingdom. But you know, we can sometimes, we can sometimes begin to get excited about this entry-level stuff, and that's good. But recognize that the Lord, I believe, is going to be taking us into a whole lot more stuff. A whole lot more. So just... Write that down, put it in your hearts if that fits. So uh, probably for many decades now, there's been something out there. How many of you have ever heard of the seven Hebrew words for praise? Anybody? All right. Oh, good. This will be new for a lot of folks. Um, So 
when looking at the King James Bible, uh, the word praise in English is translated many, many times, especially in the Psalms. But there are about seven different Hebrew words that are translated into praise. And each of these Hebrew words has a slightly different meaning. Now, I want to just give a linguistic kind of caveat here. That doesn't mean that every time I'm going to be giving you some Hebrew words and some definitions, not all of these definitions fit into every single verse, but we're giving you just kind of the essence and sometimes the, the linguistic origin of what these words mean, where they come from. So, so there's going to be seven words, and what we're going to do is we're going to split them in half. We're going to learn about four of them, and then Kalani's going to come up, and we're going to practice them together. We're going to worship a little bit, and then I'll come up, teach about three more, and then we're going to practice. Does that sound okay? You guys good to be interactive today? Yes? I can feel it. I can feel the fire. Okay. Um, Our very first word um, is yada. And yada is, is, yad is a Hebrew word for hand right here. And the idea behind this, the linguistic origin for this word, is a casting or throwing up of the hands, just like this. So everyone just do that with me. Throw up one hand or two, either way, right like this right like this. So numerous times throughout the Psalms where we see praise, it's actually this idea of this. Now, there's a lot of different ways that we can look at this, you know, whether this is in the Hebrew mindset or not, I don't know. But what is the international sign for surrender? If, if I've got a gun at you, what are you going to do? That's right, Dan. Dan. Dan, you knew that really quick. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, and, and also, what is a baby child, like if, if, if a kid wants you to pick them up and to be with you, what do, what do they do? Everybody do it. Just like that, you know? And, um, and also, the, a priestly sign of blessing, what would it be? It is the outstretched hands. There's something about us being surrendered and saying, Lord, I've got nothing. I've got no agenda. I've got nothing in my hand. Everything I offer to you. And, Father, I long to be in your presence. I long to be brought up with you. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fighting anymore, Jesus, anymore. Um, there have been a number of times, it's really kind of interesting, is the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about uh, our role as priests. And there will be times in worship where the Lord's like, I want you to just, like, I'll even, I'll even feel led to go to the back of the room. I'm like, Lord, what am I doing back here? Just, just hold on. I'm like, all right, okay, what are we doing? And I'll feel like he just wants me to put my hands up over the congregation as, a, as, as an intercessor, as someone who's praying, and as just giving that priestly blessing over the sacrifice of praise of what God is doing. You know, so when we lift up our hands, we're not just being charismatic or, you know, but we are, we are, we are surrendering. We are, we are asking the Lord to draw us up, and we are speaking blessing over the words, over the worship, over the congregation. So this is Let's just do this. If you guys just stand up, we're going to do this in worship in just a minute. But I just want you to lift your hands up and face someone else, just a group of people in the congregation. Lord, we bless them. We bless them, Lord. We ask that they would prosper. We bless them. Lord, we ask that your favor would be upon them, that your face would shine upon them, that your love would be in them, and that you would free them, that you would free them, that you would free them. And bring your fullness of your Holy Spirit to them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys just, you, you were priests. We're all priests. We're a royal priesthood. Amen? All right. So we're yadaing. And we do that in worship sometimes. Uh, here's just a few scriptures. Uh, I don't think you guys need me to read all of these to prove that that's actually in the Bible. But this idea of lifting up our hands. 
listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. And that's from Psalm 28.2, from 63.4. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. And then we'll just skip down to the last one, which I like. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you, my upraised hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, this is a prayer. When we don't have words, sometimes that's all we've got. And that's all we give him. Um, okay, so the next one is Todah. How many of you have been to Israel and someone has said, thank you, what do they say? Todah, Todah. This is something they've taken from the scripture. And it is, it is a thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, and thanksgiving is one of those forms of praise that we overlook a whole lot. Whenever I think of Thanksgiving, I kind of have that image of my mom saying at, at Thanksgiving, the holiday, and being like, all right, everyone go around the table and say what you're thankful for. You know, it's like, oh, we just want to eat. <sighs> but, but Thanksgiving really, really is powerful. Thanksgiving is not really us just putting a positive spin on things. We'll just be thankful instead. It's not that. Thanksgiving is us rightly reacting to the truth of how fortunate and good God has been to us. All right? It's not just about us trying to put a positive spin on things. It is a natural response. It means I am seeing things clearly. And as we begin to move in thankfulness, all of a sudden our heart begins to shift and we begin to see things the way they really are. We recognize first and foremost that God is God and I am not and I need him desperately. It's, um, it's why in Psalm 100, verse 4, it says, We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise to his name. So we're going to be practicing thanksgiving in uh, just a minute. Uh, next is, is halal. And, uh, and how many of you, of course, I mean, hallelujah. You know, halal, uh, yah. Is Yah is a is a is another name for the Lord, and so that's praise the Lord. And halal is to boast, to glory, to be clamorously foolish. What does clamorously foolish mean? You know that that <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that there. Uh, to celebrate, to eulogize, and literally, it is to shine. Have you ever seen someone just it, every once in a while? You'll see someone in worship, and it's like there's a light on their face. You know. They're at that place to where that they are just giving of them whole selves. A lot of times, halal is even connected to movement a lot. You guys know that we were, we were, we were created to move. In that Psalm 150, we are praising him not just with the instruments, but with the dance and movement. For some of us, we start where we're at. You know, this is something Susie Yari would teach us sometimes. You know, if that's all you got. All right, everyone, we're just, just going to practice. We're going to do this for real in a minute, but everyone just do this. All right. Some of you are like, I, <laughs> that's good enough, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. So some sort of movement is helpful for us, especially when we're being clamorously foolish. I mean, it can be, it can be you know, whatever. There are, I, I've watched, and it's really wonderful, uh, at New Life Christian Fellowship, where Claudia and I are, uh, where I sit is all the way over on the side. It's, it's with the band spouses. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but it's awesome because right in front of us is where all the junior high and high school kids are. It's mostly young men, and they're worshiping. Now, their worship is this. Is this. 
you know. But it's awesome. You know, that's what they're giving to the Lord. That's kind of the cultural thing within the youth group that they've just started as kind of this back and forth kind of motion. A lot of times, this is kind of funny, our movement and worship, many times what we learn is dictated by the seating arrangement in our churches. <laughs> you know, you know a lot of, there's a lot of jumping up and down in Pentecostal churches. It's because they got a pew right there in front of them. You know, really. I mean, it is. And so my encouragement to you is, number one, begin to move. And if you're moving, try something new. Try just to step out and to do, maybe just spin around. I know that seems just so simple, but just begin to offer the Lord something a little new, a little something different uh, as you're halaling. Here are some of the scriptures uh, that refer to halal uh, from Psalm 10732. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nations. This is something that's interesting. As I was looking through all the, my Bible software, um, I I reformatted my computer, and my Bible software is all on CDs and DVDs, and I don't, I don't have a way to get it back on my computer. So as I'm looking up Scripture, I had Strong's Concordance and all these books out yesterday. I had books all over the desk. So I was physically in all this stuff looking through, and I kept seeing with Halal, as I'm working through all these books, it is praise him in the congregation. Halal can happen on our own, but this especially is something we do together. Within the body of Christ, as worship leaders were trying to get people to connect with God, they would say things like, just close your eyes and pretend like no one else is here. And sometimes that's helpful. But for the most part, work together to be together, to sing together, to give God an offering together. So when I'm singing next to Dan, it's just not me. I, have an, I, I, I am understanding our identity as a church is come. We are we. The plural are coming before the Lord together. So Dan's song helps to up, uphold my song, and my song is upholding someone else. We're bearing one another's burdens in the midst of worship. As we're coming together, we are singing a song, and the Lord doesn't say, oh, there's Dan. He does because he knows, but he's like, there is Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. There it is. So as we're worshiping, we've tried our really best you know, I was a big fan because I like lights and stuff like that about turning the lights down low. And Kalani and I have talked about this a lot. But it's almost as if we did that in the beginning years and years ago to get everyone comfortable, maybe to be a little more expressive. If the lights aren't on, people aren't looking. But, but we're, we're kind of, are we okay to keep the lights on and be expressive nonetheless? You know? Are, are we okay to look around? And because I see that guy over there dancing, I'm not like, whoa, I'm like, all right, he's got that side, who's got this side, you know? That we, we begin to see things as a room and as a body together. So that's halal. Uh, also in there, the, the scripture uh, where Jehoshaphat sends the musicians out, he was sending them out to halal before the armies, you know, if you know that story. And then also, as David is setting up, what happens is from that story where David brings the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, he sits it down, and, uh, and he just doesn't leave it there, but he sets up musicians. And his first, what, what, what the what Chronicle says is that he puts them in place to halal. And so musicians are before the Ark and the Covenant, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worshiping the Lord, halaling God. Um, and, uh, and so that is our first, that's our first four. So, Okay. And then, um, 
Shabak. I think that's where we're going. Yes. All right. Uh, and then finally, we have Shabak, which is to address in a loud tone. What's another word for that? To shout or to yell. How many of you remember what brought the walls of Jericho down? It was a shout. Um, sometimes in worship, even though it is a little unsettling, and, and can I just break the ice? Can I just shout really quick? Is that okay? Jesus! All right, so for some of us, the, are the introverts in us went, oh, it's kind of in my face. But when we recognize that that kind of expression, worship, can break things up like nothing else, we're like, do it again. And I say, Jesus! All right? I know that was a little scary for some of us, but I'm just trying to acclimate us here, okay? Uh, so, uh, Shabbat, uh, there's two scriptures I pulled out from that. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory. Many times in worship, when we get to a place where we are declaring the victory of God, it's important for us to shout. We are, it's as if we're taking the authority we have in Jesus, and in worship, we are saying, enemy, thus far and no more. And as Brian said, this is not you know, a political figure that we don't like. It's not our neighbor we're mad at or our spouse. It is the spiritual forces of wickedness in worship, especially when we come to that place of shouting, we are saying, no more. Stop in your tracks and retreat in the name of Jesus. And any bonds, a lot of times, when, they're, they're just, when folks are just really, really gummed up and the enemy's got them, sometimes shouting is, is helpful to break those things up. Um, and, then, uh, and then again in Psalm 27, 6, then I will hold my head up high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. So shouts are uh, that where this is this shouting sometimes uh, comes because we're declaring victory and sometimes because we are just overjoyed at who Jesus is. There were worship times that I remember many years ago to where, um, actually, uh, if you guys know who Don Potter was, Don Potter came to our house. <laughs> he was over at New Life. He's a, a worship leader with Morningstar. And we had him speaking to some of our young people, some of our young worship leaders. And uh, he told us when we were talking with him, he said, you know what? There were times 20 years ago, he said, we would do 20, 30, 40-minute songs. It says, it's not because we were wanting to do them as musicians. It's because the people kept going and we couldn't stop. And in those moments, there were shouts of joy that just reverberated and impacted the world. I mean, I'd like, to, I'd like to be involved with worship like that. How about you? All right, so let's do this. Would you just stand up? And Kalani's going to lead us um, in a little bit of music, and then I'm going to gently just instruct us as we move along, and we're going to practice these four particular um, types of expression before the Lord. In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises Up from the ashes Up from the ashes Hope will arise It's death is defeated The king is Oh, sing it again I'm gonna sing Say, I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Say, louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roll up from the ashes. Hope will arise. 
guys are doing it, just raise your hands as we sing. Just speak a blessing to the Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Tell him I surrender it all to you, Lord. Draw me up to you. I give you everything. All of it, Lord. All of it. I hold nothing back, Lord. It's all yours. It's all yours. In this moment, some of you need to offer your heart to the Lord again. While you have your arms upstretched, if they get tired, just put one up and put the other one down and rest it. But just say, Lord, I give you my heart again. Lord, I'm sorry for holding back. I'm sorry for being afraid. I'm willing to be vulnerable again. Draw me up in your presence, Lord. If you want, you can put your hands down, but you can keep them up too if you want. Whatever you want to do, there's freedom. And we're going to do a little todah. And I want you to think of three things you're thankful for. They can be big or small. Just think of those three things, whatever they are. Put them in your back pocket. And, and while Kalani plays, I just want you to begin to sing out I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my wife. Whatever it is, begin to sing it out right now. Oh, I'm thankful for your love. Thank you for healing. I'm thankful, I'm thankful. I have provision day by day, day by day. If singing's a bit too much, just tell it. Just say it. Some of you are doing it, but we're going to halal, which means we're going to sing along with Kalani, but we're also going to move. So let me encourage you, just do something that's a little bit different. Maybe it's forward and back. Maybe it's swaying. Maybe it's whatever it is. Maybe it's spinning around. This is your time. This is, we're practicing, but it really is before the Lord. So just offer him something you hadn't been before and just begin to move as we sing.
gonna move my body. I'm gonna move my body. I'm gonna clap my hands. I'm gonna dance before you, Lord. I'm gonna dance before you, Lord. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to shout. Now, we're not just going to shout to shout. There is something that's been in your way. There's been something that has been plaguing your family. There is something that the enemy has tried to, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's something that has tried to steal, kill, and destroy from you or your family, someone you love. There's something, and we are going to shout that wall down, okay? So just take a minute, think about whatever that is, and you can shout, just make a noise, you can shout Jesus, whatever works for you. But we're going to shout, and we're going to direct that worship to whatever that thing is where we need breakthrough, where we need the, the hand of the enemy to be loosed. We are going to declare the victory and the authority over Jesus and saying, thus far and no more, in Jesus' name. How many of you know that we are called to have a backbone, right? Jesus got a little aggressive sometimes. So this may be a little different for us. This may be out of our character. But let me encourage you just to step out. On the count of three, we're going to shout at that thing. You can shout whatever you want, Jesus, hallelujah, whatever. We're going to do it. You ready? You got that target? One, two, three. Jesus! One more time. Jesus! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> Would you make us free, Lord? Kalani's just going to stay up here while we do the rest of these. Um, you can sit down, but just for a second. You'll be up just, just for a second. All right. So, Lord, whatever we just did, we don't fully know what that was. But, Lord, change us forever because of it. I used to think that spiritual change and transformation took a whole lot. It really doesn't. A lot of times it's just willing to say yes to the Lord and step out and have faith that he's doing something in the midst of it. So, Lord, seal everything that you've done, and we're going to do a little bit more. Uh, the next term I want to talk about is barak, which means to kneel or to bless. And um, this is one of those things that, that happens to me in worship sometimes, just like, like today, you feel that kind of need to get down on your knees uh, before the Lord, and that's a place of submission, right? But it's also a place toward the position of receiving a blessing. I, this is kind of strange, but <laughs> we've, already, we've already gone down that road. Um, uh, but there have been times here at OCF where I felt like the Lord knighted me. 
And he's like, kneel before me. And there was a commission that he gave me. And so sometimes when we kneel, we're doing it just as a sign of submission to the Lord. But sometimes we have to be in that submitted place to receive the blessing of the Lord. There's a statue um, in Washington, D.C. I knew I was going to go to Washington, D.C. I've got a friend there that I used to visit a lot, um, and I still do when I can. Uh, But I'd like to go just around D.C. and praying sometimes. And there was a statue I just saw a picture of, and I felt like I really I want to find out where the statue is. It's of Abraham Lincoln, and it's called um, um, Emancipation is what it's called. And in these days, statues and monuments are... um, are controversial for lots of reasons. And so in no way am I making any political statement about whether the statue's right or not or anything like that. But what I, I am remembering is the Lord used it as a picture for me, and there was a slave that was being freed, and he was, he was kneeling before Abraham Lincoln. And that's where some folks have some problems, and, and we can talk about that another time. But the Lord said, Gary, you need to understand sometimes the road to freedom. And he was speaking about me. I'm not making historical commentary here. He's like, you have to go, you have to be humble. If you go to uh, Bethlehem and you walk into the church of the nativity, the door is this high. You have to humble yourself to go in. They did it because people during the crusades were stealing furniture, but still there's a spiritual picture there, is, is that sometimes this is the safest place we can be. When we are humble before the Lord, and, um, and for me, that was that picture of, of emancipation. The Lord said, your greater level of freedom will come when you are willing to stay in that humble place. And so when we humble ourselves, when we physically get down on our knees, there's something beautiful and special there. Not because God is a you know, megalomaniac or has a big ego. It's just because we're finally in that place where we're not driving and we can say, Lord, whatever you want to bestow on me, I'll take it. Whatever you want to bless me with, I'll take it. Or, Lord, if you just, whatever, Lord. Did you know that a great form of worship can just be being present before the Lord without any agenda, without receiving or giving or praying anything, just being mindful of him and present there? Sometimes when we're on our knees, that happens. And for us, when when the Lord calls me to kneel, and I'm just, I'm being extra visual here because it's helpful. Sometimes it's like this. Sometimes it's... I, I do that in front of everyone just to say if these forms are okay. And someday you might walk into this room and someone may be on their face and we don't have to call the hospital. You know, Brian and, and the staff are looking out for people like that. But that should be somewhat normal is to see people before the Lord, uh, either on their knees or on their face or, or in some way bowing down and blessing the Lord. Psalm 95, 6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. In Psalm 132, 8, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Um, and so that, that is Barak. And then we have Zamar. Zamar kind of literally means to strike with the fingers. And it's talking about playing instruments. Usually it's talking about playing a lyre, which uh, in the Hebrew scriptures was called the kinor or a harp, which was normally referred to as the nevel. Um, and this, we sometimes believe that the instruments are here to accompany our words. They're here kind of to help us with our words because our words are what's important. 
But as you begin to dig into things, you recognize that there's a really good chance that the psalms were written and the words really were there to accompany the music. And throughout theological circles, there's been a lot of debate on, well, how can a song be Christian if there's no words and you don't know what they're saying? And the truth is, is that music speaks and it's declaring something, even if there's not words to it. I actually had a professor who said, I heard music once and I think it was lying to me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that's about. But, but you hear it. Sometimes all of a sudden you begin to hear a tone or a timbre and something rises up on the inside of you. Any of you who have Scottish uh, history, you hear bagpipe and just something goes on and you know, there's, and you start crying and you don't know why. And, you know, and it's because something, is, something deep is calling back deep. Others of us have that experience with certain melodies or rhythms or instruments. Music is saying something. And today in one of our songs, uh, Justin actually played without anyone singing over him. Now, in our culture, we would say, well, Justin got a chance to solo. Good for him. And to some degree, he did. But if we begin to think of it this way, that at certain times in our worship, there is a need to express something That can't be done with a human mouth or words, and there needs to be a sound released to agree with what God is saying in heaven. Like a lot of times, like (laughs) James and Kevin, like like I think the drums are somehow uh, echoing and sympathetically calling out the heartbeat of God. And sometimes there's a need for that sound to go forth that sound to go out. Uh, Ray Hughes talks about the, uh, the sila or the sela, And um, one idea, we don't know exactly what it is, but one thought is that it is a musical response to the words that are spoken. So we declare something in a psalm or in a song, and then we let the musicians establish that truth and that revelation in sound. And it's like we're sending that truth of who God is into the atmosphere. I know that's really kind of, ooh. But sometimes there's a need to zamar. There's a need to play a musical instrument. Some of us, there's, you may have musical instruments at your home that you part of your, your worship time. You may, uh, I think that there's some people who have guitars in closets and you just didn't think you were ever good enough, but the Lord thought you were. You may not, it may not be your call to be up here on a stage, but it, he may really want to hear what you have to play before him in your bedroom. So let me, if you've got a guitar or maybe, maybe you played piano and you found joy at one time in that kind of musical experience, some of you, just <laughs> your form of zamar will be tapping your foot, you know, in the middle of worship. And in a minute, what I'm going to do is um, let Kalani zamar over us to release some things. But that, that's zamar. Uh, some scriptures here that, that are zamarish. <laughs> Psalm 57, 6 through 7, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praise. Wake up, my heart, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. And we read in uh, 1 Samuel 16, 23, about when David would play his harp or his lyre and the evil spirits that were tormenting Saul would go away for a time. There's power in that musical expression even when there are no words. And then finally, one of, I think, probably my favorite is Tehillah. 
Um, and this is to instigate praise, to sing a song of praise, and to spontaneously laud. Now, if you look this up in a le- lexicon, you probably won't see uh, that spontaneous part. But time and time again, as this is listed, it's connected with what's referred to as, I think it's Khadir Khadash Seer, Seer Khadash, which is the new song. The new song. To heal a many times is that new spontaneous song. We know that David was worshiping the Lord and singing. He, seven times a day, he'd be offering the Lord worship in song. And that song sometimes were things that had been written down before, but many times they were prophetic and spontaneous from his heart. And Tehillah seems to fit this bill. And what's interesting is how many of you have heard that, that scripture that says um, that God is enthroned on the praises of Israel or he's enthroned on the praises of his people? That's Tehillah. That's on this spontaneous lauding of the Lord. Psalm 22.3 says he is enthroned on the praises of his people Israel. Then Psalm 149.1, I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with the ten-string heart. And then Psalm 43, He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. So how do you sing a new song? Well, that's kind of strange. You can just kind of sit there and wait. <laughs> this, this reminds me of one thing. Um, sometimes in worship, we're waiting for the wind. We're waiting for the wave. And this is kind of what we do. Well, I'm just not feeling it. So I'm just going to hang out until I feel it. You know, oh, that's not my song. Hopefully they're going to play one of the songs that gets me going. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, I, what's wrong with the band? They... There might be sin in the camp. I don't know, because I'm not feeling this. I'm not engaged. Why am I not engaged? Um, and that was kind of funny. And, and I say that because I kind of do that stuff sometimes too. But, but when we go into worship, we may be waiting for a spiritual or a physical or some sort of experience to get us going. But really what we need to do is we need to be like a sailboat and put our sail up from the very beginning and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm, how, how many of you in PE knew the ready position? We need to be in the ready worship position when we get going. We need to put your hands up in the air, begin to engage, because sometimes the wind's not going to come till you put your sail up. So when it comes to singing spontaneously or prophetically, a good place to start is just if we want to sing a new song to the Lord, it's kind of easy. We can just say, Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you are beautiful. God, you are so wonderful. Just begin to laud on him. And what happens is, is as we put that sail up, just with these words that may not, they may not be revelatory, we're not speaking great mysteries, we're just telling the Lord who he is. That's truth. That's his word. Lord, you are good. And, and we can even begin to recite scripture. That is fantastic. That's a great way. Maybe there's a scripture verse that's your life scripture. Begin to sing that scripture verse out. It doesn't have to rhyme or anything. Just begin to do it. And then all of a sudden, what you'll find is something else that begins to bubble up. The word for prophet in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament is nabah. And it's based on this word that means spring, like a bubbling spring. And as we're beginning to just lay this out before the Lord, as we have our sail up, we'll feel this kind of bubbling that will start coming up. 
And, and it may not make much sense at the beginning, but we just begin to sing what's on our heart. And all of a sudden, the wind of the Holy Spirit comes and begins to take us as we begin to sing this new song. So you guys ready to try these three out? All right, let's stand back up. So I hope you guys know that I am not up here grading you. I may be looking at you, but I'm not like, well, she's not engaging like I... It's, it's, again, it's not my business, really. So, so if there's something that we're doing that you physically can't do, that is A-OK. Or the Lord's telling you to do something else, that's OK, too. All right? So let's just begin to worship. Let's enter in, and, and we'll, we'll guide this as we move along. And all the saints and angels, they bow before your throne. And all the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing, you are worthy of it So I'm going to encourage you now to find a way to bow before the Lord. Whatever that looks like for you, we're not watching other people. Even if you just want to sit down, you can. But to put yourself in a bowing position before the Lord, whatever that looks like. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. going to now have Kalani. She's going to zamar over you. She's going to begin to play, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to impact our hearts with the sound of the instrument, to allow them to take us somewhere, allow him to speak to us in this moment. Some of you may just be receiving rest from the Lord, others of you peace, or he might be speaking to you about something. So wherever you're at, just stay still as she be zamars over you. Very carefully, 
just going to ask you when you can just to rise to your feet. If some of you want to stay down there, you can. Just take your time. <laughs> Sometimes when we've been engaged in full body worship, it's kind of like op- <laughs> we, won't, we may not want to operate heavy machinery afterwards. There's just It's like, wow, we're not used to that. now going to just practice to heal it a little bit. We're just going to begin to sing a new song to the Lord. And that can be just as easy as Lord you are or Jesus you are beautiful or you know the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want whatever it is begin to sing something to him Tell him how much you love him. Just give him something new. want you to just keep singing, but I think the Lord is present here to heal. Lord, um, I don't know how to say this. Lord, there are deep, deep things that you want to address right now. Things, um, things that I just don't, there may be groans in us. I just have a feeling that place like Psalm 42 says where deep calls into deep in some of those deep places where we have longed for things that have not come maybe something we desperately or someone we desperately miss but in the deep places of our hearts the Lord is wanting to enter into those places and just heal so just just give your yes to the Lord if you think that's you Lord we ask in this atmosphere in this place where you are high and lifted up, where we see you at least a little bit of who you are, that you'd come and you'd heal deep places in our hearts, in our relationships, in our relationship with you, Lord. Oh, where some of us have despised ourselves, Lord, would you erase any of that self-hate right now? In Jesus' name. Anywhere where we just haven't really been able to love ourselves, 
light the flame where we can love ourselves again. Anywhere where we've been just afraid.